We'll read the first 21 verses, but we'll focus on verse 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 5, I commence reading. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the, fruit of, of, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light... It becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. In case you are wondering why this afternoon we are in the book of Ephesians and not the book of James, it's that when the Intermediate Youth Ministry asked me to speak at the, their youth rally through the elder attached to the ministry, Elder Matafwali, they asked that we begin their youth rally on Sunday evening and then proceed with it on Monday uh, throughout uh, the day. And so in the course of preparation, looking at the theme, I thought it would be wise to consider the evening service in light of the youth rally, whose theme is redeeming the time. And that's why we are in Ephesians. This is the portion of Scripture that I'll be teaching on tomorrow from verse 15 
to the very end. Now, those of you who've taken time to study the book of Ephesians, you'll see that the book is divided into two parts. The first three chapters deal with what are referred to as indicatives. Now, indicatives are statements of facts. And what Paul does is that he gives statements of facts of what God has done in Christ Jesus. And that's why when you read in chapter 1, he's, he's talking about how what God has done, what God the Father has done in Christ Jesus, that we've been redeemed and therefore we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, he begins to talk about what we were once upon a time, that we were dead in sin and trespasses, and now Christ has made us alive. And chapter 3, he talks about the mystery of the of the, of the mystery of godliness, the gospel which has now been revealed to us in Christ Jesus. So those are indicative statements of facts. This is what God has done in Christ Jesus. This is what Christians are in Christ Jesus. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians, he now begins to deal with the imperatives, which are authoritative commands. And what the, the author does there is that in view of these indicative, these statements of facts, therefore, this is what God expects of Christians. When he deals in chapter 4 with the unity that ought to be amongst God's people, it's not a suggestion he's giving. It's an authoritative command. And this command is anchored in the indicatives what God has done. Therefore, if this is what God has done, it is possible to live in humility, to live in unity, to be imitators of Christ, to walk in love, to have husbands and wives living as God expects them to live, to have children obeying their parents, to have born servants and masters working together because of what Christ has done. And from, verse, from chapter 4 of Ephesians and verse 17, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesians, he's been dealing with the fact that Christians are children of light, and therefore they must live as children of light. And he continues with that theme in chapter 5. And he's saying that if we are now Christians are children of light, they must be imitators of God. And they must live a life of joy because of their love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the passage we've read, particularly the passage we'll be considering rather, verse 15 downwards, although this afternoon we basically look at verse 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul now begins to contrast between the wise and the foolish or between non-Christians and Christians. And he's now basically saying that Christians must live their lives in light of what they are in Christ Jesus, but as they live their lives, 
they must live their lives in this present age that is evil. The age that is evil even demands that their light must shine forth in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. And Paul is basically saying, Christians in the world can be likened to individuals at sea, or individuals that are uh, paddling or sailing through rough waters. And when you are sailing through rough waters, you need to have the means of steering the canoe, but also you need to have some source of power in order to steer the canoe. Both the means to steer and the source of power to steer the canoe are both needed if you are going to be sailing or if you've never been on a canoe and you are going... Uh, you're following the flow of the current or going against the current, you'll see that you need to paddle, but you also need the strength to paddle. Now, both of these are needed. If you have one at the expense of the other, you become, you'll be simply at the mercy of the waves that you are going against. Now, what Paul is really saying or when we think of it in the Christian life, is that the world we live in, we have an enemy. And this enemy has set traps to wipe us off course with regard to our work and service to God. And if we are not careful, watchful, prayerful, we can and we will shipwreck our faith. And in order to navigate through this life, we must live as children of light and we must ensure that we are living not as unwise but as wise. And this is what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in our passage of Scripture this afternoon. Paul is urging us to walk carefully as children of light in this perverse generation. And he gives us three essentials if we are going to walk carefully in this present generation. He, he gives us how, how we ought to live our lives so that we avoid a spiritual disaster. And the first thing that he, he highlights is that to walk carefully in this present generation or in this perverse generation, you must think carefully about how you spend your life. You must think carefully about how you spend your life. Verse 15 and the, the first part of it. Look carefully then how you walk. 
Look carefully then how you walk. At the start of chapter 5, the Apostle Paul begins with the word therefore. And you know that it's a connecting word. As someone has, says, has said, when you see therefore, find out why it's there. Because it's there for a reason. And the Apostle Paul, he's taking us back to look at what he's been dealing with. And he's saying, in view of this, therefore, this is how you ought to live. You ought to walk in this world as children of light. And you're not to cover your light, but rather you are to let the light of Christ shine. And as it shines and radiates with you, you are going to expose the deeds of the evil one or evil deeds. And the light that is radiating from you must sort of dispel the darkness of sin. Therefore, because of the dangers that are in this world, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Look Carefully then, how you walk. Now, that statement, look carefully how, then how you walk, it means to consider with accuracy and exactness. It means to consider with accuracy and exactness. It is borrowed from the accounting world, or it's an accounting term. It was a term that was used to account for things. Now, those, those who are accountants, they know that when you are keeping books of an organization or a firm, you want to be accurate in your calculations. You want to be exact. So when you, when you, when you get your, 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 your cash book, and your bank statement, you don't simply go to the bank statement or the cash book and begin to ask yourself, is this a hundred quarter? Is this 1,000? Well, it doesn't matter. I'll just put a 10. That's not what you do. You, you, you want to be accurate. You want to record the, the actual figures so that at the end of the day, your figures in your cash book and on the bank statement are going to balance. You would have reconciled the two. And this is what Paul is actually saying. He's getting an accounting term and now he's using it to relate to the Christian life. And as he's doing so, he's basically saying there must be accuracy, there must be exactness, and as Christian, you must be precise in your work with God. Or to use another illustration is that if you are a soldier and you've been told you are in charge of a field and this field has landmines, you, you just don't walk anyhow. Some are hoping that you don't step on the landmine. You want to be accurate with every step that you make, least 
you are blown to pieces. And the Apostle Paul is saying to us, you must walk with carefulness as a Christian. As a believer, you must choose your step carefully because your enemy has placed right minds around you. There are those minds that is spread all over your path. And his goal is to trap you and to cause you to make a disaster of yourself spiritually. And yet, so many Christians just stroll through this world as if there are no, there's no enemy who is out there to destroy you. Not giving much attention to how they, they are living their Christian lives. What is it that they are allowing to fill their minds? Look carefully then how you walk. And in this particular passage, this is the final use of the word walk by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. In chapter 2 and verse 2, he uses that word walk when it's referred to that we walked according to the dictate of this world. And then also in chapter 10 of chapter 2, he now talks about now God having shown us his grace, we must walk in line with God's salvation. In chapter 4 verse 1, he talks about walking in humility as to maintain the unity of uh, the bond of love. He uses again in chapter 17 of chapter 4. Then in chapter 5, he uses it in verse 1 and in verse 8. And in verse 15, this is the last use of this word walk. And in Paul's mind, he's, he's picturing the walk of a Christian in contrast to the walk of those who are not Christians. And he's basically urging all of us that in our day-to-day -day walk, as we make those step-by-step -step progress or process, we must be careful and thoughtful to each of those steps. And as he's doing so, he's got his background in post days. People didn't walk for exercise. They walked to get to a destination. So when you left home, you had a journey. There's somewhere you are going. And so, a person who is walking had a journey. And as long as they're not at their destination, they were so focused, so careful to ensure that they get to where they are going. And he's saying, it is true of us as Christians. 
Our spiritual walk is a steady progress to a destination. And as long as we are not at our destination, we are not with our God, we must walk with carefulness. We, we cannot just do what we want in the course of the way. No, we've got an agenda. We've got a destination. We know where we are going. And every step that we are making must be with a view to draw us closer to our final destination, which is heaven. And we must not walk in the futility of the thinking of the world. But we must walk in a manner that shows who we really are in Christ Jesus. And, and, and may I age you? Especially those of you who are on the younger side of life. May I age you to prayerfully con Consider to, to, to write a one-sentence purpose statement of your life. Prayerfully consider to, 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 to have this one statement about the purpose of your life. And that should describe what you think God wants you to do if he was to to grant you to live up to a hundred years. What is it that you think God wants you to achieve? What is it that God, you think God wants you to be? And that purpose statement must be based on biblical criteria. Not just about wishful thinking. It must be based on the scriptures. And then underneath that statement, write short-term goals. What is it that I want to achieve in view of what I think God wants me to be? Do those short-term goals in your spiritual work, in your career, in your relationship, in your moral work. Finances included there. And then from time to time, revisit your purpose statement and your short-term goals. Adjust where you need to readjust. But let that be your purpose. And be careful to ensure that you are walking in line with what you think based on your biblical studies. The reading of the scriptures, what God wants you to be. And then be careful how you spend your time, your life, in view of what you think God wants you to achieve. And this is what Paul is saying. Look carefully then how you walk. And that, what that entails is that 
to walk carefully in this perverse generation, you are careful about how you spend your life. But secondly, to walk carefully in this perverse generation, you must skillfully apply God's word to your life. You must skillfully apply God's word to your life. The second half of verse 15. Look then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. The Apostle Paul gives us the first of several contrasts here up to the end of the book. And the first contrast is that of those who are wise and those who are unwise. And and the message is this, that Christianity or the Christian life is not just about being careful about how you spend your life, but is that how you spend your life must be accompanied by being wise in those decisions that you are making. And hence we are told to live not as unwise, but as wise. And, and according to Paul, a wise man is one who lives strictly according to rules and it relates to, to certain fundamental principles. He knows what he needs to do. He knows why he's doing what he's doing and he knows when to do what he is doing. And Christians have the wisdom of God Christ has died for their sins and he's given them the Holy Spirit and also he's given us the word. And it is in the, in, in, in the Bible, we, we see God's wisdom, God's fundamental principles uh, to, the, to the human race. And we must skillfully Apply God's word to our lives. And these great principles which are based and found in the Bible must be the ones that govern the way we think, must be the ones that govern the kind of choices that we make, must be the ones that govern every step of our way, knowing very well that we have an eternal goal. And so everything we are doing is for the sole purpose of promoting that eternal goal, the worship of our great God. Now, the basic meaning of the Hebrew word for wisdom is skill. That's a basic meaning, skill. And the wise Christian or the wise person is one 
who had skills to live properly and that the root of those skills was the fear of God. Proverbs 1 uh, verse 1-7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Again when you read in Proverbs 9 again we see the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And the wise person lives in a godly, skillful manner. In a godly, skillful manner. Thus producing a life that radiates with the light of the gospel. And the only way to accomplish this skill or to have this wisdom is to inverse yourself in the study of the scriptures. Because God is very precise, He's exact. He doesn't give general rules, He's very specific. And because he knows what he wants to accomplish, he knows what he wants to see in his children, he gives those guiding principles that are exact so that when we read the scriptures, we can skillfully apply what God is saying in the Bible to our day-to-day lives. When you read the Old Testament, God gave Moses the plan to build the tabernacle. And Moses looked for skilled men who were to do exactly what God wanted to be done. And those skilled men crafted the beautiful final product, the tabernacle. And it was because they followed the, the plans that God had given them. And if we are to, 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 to live our lives that are pleasing to our God, we must first of all ensure that we are in a healthy relationship with God and daily we are reading and digging from his word so that we, we know what he, what he expects of us. And as we live out what he expects of us, our lives are beautifully being fashioned by himself through the power of the Holy Spirit so that the end product is, 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 is a life that radiates with God a life that oozes with his grace, but also a life that when others look at can see that here is a life that is lived wisely by applying 
the scriptures in day-to-day decisions. Psalm 90 verse 12, Moses' prayer was that God should teach us to number our days aright so that we may present a heart of wisdom. And if we are to live our, our Christian lives in this evil day, we must skillfully apply God's word to our lives. And then the last thing we see in verse 16 is that to walk carefully in this perverse generation, you must use every opportunity for the will of God. We must use every opportunity for the will of God. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Christians must be diligent in the way they do things. God is saying we must make the use of every opportunity. Literally, it's the meaning there is redeeming the time. I'm sure other versions would read redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's a literal translation or meaning of making the best use of time. And to redeem means to buy back. And the implication is that time is in bondage and that a price must be paid to buy it back. And the Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses for time there is not the way we view time in the 24-hour kind of cycle. But the, the, the word that he uses there for time means opportunities or periods or epochs. Now what Paul is basically saying is that you must make the best use of those periods or those epochs in your life for God is making the most of every opportunity. And, and, and the idea is, is that all of us as God's children, God does bring some choice moments which we can use and seize for service to him. And we must be alert. 
We must be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit such that when these opportunities come, we must grab them and use the best of those opportunities and do what we can. Paul is saying it's like a businessman. A smart businessman or business person who sees an opportunity for profit and he grabs it and uses the most of it. It's knowing the times and seasons and then coming up with ideas to do business that will bring the best of returns. Now one of the things that amazes me, remember that an excites me or just interests me is it's, you know these guys, these cowboys, let's call them cowboys or the guys that to sell things on the streets they, they take opportunities of seasons when it's rain season all of a sudden um, the umbrellas are out and we're all buying They, they, they know the opportunities and they grab those opportunities. When it's cold seasons, all, all colors of uh, warm clothes will be out. They know the times, the opportunities, and they utilize them. And this is the picture that Apostle Paul is saying. Is that as Christians, at each stage in your life, there's an opportunity or opportunities that God brings, not just for yourself, but opportunities that you can grab and use the best of those opportunities for his glory. And one must be alert to these opportunities. If you are a young person, use the opportunities you have now to make the most of your time. Read God's word. Read other good books. Fellowship. Do the best you can. Because the time will come when, when the demands of life might overwhelm you. Family, work, name them. You have those opportunities. But all of us in good health can use those opportunities to be of service in God's kingdom. If you've got a home, you can invite people for a meal. Students, young people can invite them. They come to your home and you, you minister to them, get to know them and see how you can pray for them, see how you can minister to them. Time may come when your health may not allow for such. And here we're being reminded of making the use of every opportunity. And when the Apostle Paul says making the best use of time, 
it implies that there is a cost. It, will, it might cost you resources, your time. It will cost you missing out on certain things in order to make the most of those opportunities. It will mean you have to say no to certain secondary activities in order to pursue what is crucial at whatever stage of your life. It might mean if you're one who's given to too much TV, it might mean less hours of TV in order to make the most of those opportunities. For those of you who are young, it might mean less time on your computer games, on your Facebook, and all kind of social accounts that you have in order to make the most of your time. It may mean saying no to, to selfish activities that pull you away from God and God's service. It may mean you saying no to certain activities that just causes you to, to squander your money on worldly pursuits in order to save God, to walk carefully, you must use your time wisely. And as you do so, Paul's concern is that as we walk in this manner as Christians, it should cause the unbelievers to see the light of the gospel in us. It must cause those who are not believers to see that our lives are not the same with their lives. Their priorities are not our priorities. Their goals are not our goals. Our goals are, are more focused, more fundamental. It's the honor and glory of our God. For an unchristian, their focus is not God. It's about themselves, what they can achieve. What is it that will bring joy to me? And so they, they go through school, they get a job, start a family, begin to, to raise kids, our children look forward to retirement and, and, hoping, and uh, hoping that they, by the time they retire, they'll be in good health so that they can live long enough to tour islands and travel the world. Go through national parks and take pictures of all kinds of things they come across. And then they die. That's all. Throughout their years, this is their goal. This is their plan. And yet half of the time, they spend watching TV. 
but still hoping that when they retire, they will have enough time, enough money to go around the world. And, and, and they live in the futility of their thinking. And their time is spent with simply that outlook. Nothing beyond the grave. But the Christians can go through the same things. Go through school. Get a job. Begin to raise a family. But seizing every opportunity for the honor and glory of God. Raising a family. Praying that that's, that family, those children that God gives you might come to know Christ. And when they come to know Christ, they might be beacons of light in the world. And you, you, you pray that you become good examples of what it means to be a godly father or a Christian father, a Christian mother. That's your goal. And you pray every day that God must, call, must give you the grace to live according to his word. And as you deal with your children, you help them to have this eternal perspective, not just living for this life, but to think of life beyond the grave. You train your children to follow Christ so that when you are long gone to your rewards, you know that your children will be serving your God because you trained them, you taught them, and God, by His grace, He saved them from their sins and they become God's soldiers in his kingdom. That's making the most. You know your children will be with you for a short while. And you make the most of that opportunity before they leave your nest. And as if as Christians, we are not making the most of the opportunities God gives us. We are robbing God. We are robbing God of the sacred trust He's disposed in us. We are robbing God of His honor and glory because He saved us so that we can be trophies of His amazing grace to bring others to Himself. And God expects us to use these opportunities wisely. And I believe that each one of us can look in our lives and can testify that there have been opportunities that God has brought our way. No one can claim that they've not had these opportunities. God does bring them at specific periods of times in our lives. Lost opportunities are irrevocable 
or irreversible. Our lives are short and the days are evil. But we can still make the most of the opportunities while we have the time, the energies, and life before God calls us home. But also in the life of the church, God does bring such opportunities. You can look around and, and see these various opportunities. The missions work. The ministry to students. The, the LMCs, the SCUs of this, this world. These are opportunities that God brings even in the life of the church. We don't know how long these doors of opportunities will be open. But while they're still open, we must make the most of them. For the honor and glory of God and God himself we will honor those efforts. And But we must not forget that the days are evil. And therefore we must be diligent in the use of those opportunities. The Lord Jesus Christ is the best example to all of us. He was consistent in his walk with his father and was diligent in his life. He walked carefully in a perverse generation and for him he knew he only had three years to achieve that which the Father had tasked him to achieve. And he was diligent up and about doing his Father's will, preaching, healing, and doing miracles, going about places, preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. You and I don't know when we will die. That's when the more reason we must be diligent with the use of every opportunity. We need to redeem the times for the days are evil. And as we live our Christian lives, we must not forget they are watching you, marking all you do, hearing the things you say. And let them see the Savior as he shines in you and let his power control you every day. They are watching you and marking all you are doing. And all that we may redeem the time because the days are evil. Amen.